0: All right. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Richard Reeves, and I had the privilege of serving this church for 24 years as the senior pastor. Um, And my iPad is doing wonderful things. There it goes. Perfect. So we are going to kind of finish up where Pastor Valui ended off. Uh, He's been doing a series called Ecclesia. And that's a series on the church, and we went through the book of Acts, and we saw the beginning of the church and how the church developed and what it did through the leaders and the people of that church. And it's a wonderful thing. I thought we'd spend a little time talking about the foundation of the church, if you will. What enabled that church back then in such a hostile environment to do the things that it did? What kind of church was it? What assemblage of people was it that were able to pull that off? Now, I want to start out by talking about the human body. I call this 10 Fun Facts About the Human Body, and I have no idea where I got this stuff, but this is it, it looks good to me. <clears throat> Number one, nerve impulses to and from the brain travel as fast as 170 miles an hour. Every day, the average person loses 60 to 100 strands of hair, except for Matt. (laughs) The acid in your stomach is strong enough to dissolve razor blades, but I wouldn't recommend you trying it. The surface area of the human lung is equal to a tennis court. There are three things pregnant women dream about most during their first trimester. They are frogs, worms, And potted plants. I am not making this up. Somebody said that. After eating too much, your hearing is less sharp. Well, you might be asleep and that would, that would do it. It takes 17 muscles to smile and 43 to frown. So a smile is easier than a frown. The strongest muscle in the human body is, what do you think? The strongest muscle in the human body is, The tongue. The tongue. Check this one. Try it right now. It is not possible to tickle yourself. You can't do it. You can't do it, Ray. I'm sorry. And this one, I think, the last of the ten fun facts, is really relevant to why do we cover when we sneeze? Sneezes can blast out at a speed of up to 100 miles an hour. It's a miracle that this human body works the way it does. It's an amazing, amazing system. But if it's true about the human body, what about the body of Christ? We use that kind of terminology, don't we? The body of Jesus Christ. We're given that metaphor in the Scriptures. And in Christ's body, there is another uh, set of amazing parts, individual parts that make up a beautiful whole. This collection of individuals working together can have a a wonderful impact in the world around us. As one Christian author wrote a number of years ago, there's nothing like the local church when it's working right. There is no power better. There is no group of individuals who can get more done for the good of humankind than a local church, the local church, when it's working right. Now, this is only possible, though, if every church member, every person who is a part of that local church, understands what the body is here for, who we are, what has brought us together, what the components are, and how it's all supposed to work out. During the last few years of my tenure here as the senior pastor of the church, we brought a small group of people together, an envisioning team, we called it. And the purpose of that team was to look into the Scriptures and come up with some basic, scriptural, foundational principles that would guide our ministries moving ahead. We looked at the church, the church, as being an issue, a topic, and we looked into the various Scriptures. And here's what we came up with concerning the church itself. We believe the church, a diverse community formed and led by Jesus, works together to continue His work in the world. Therefore, we will work together, each doing our part to continue Jesus' work. We are continuing the work of Christ. Luke in his in the book of Acts, he said, "I want to tell you what the church continues to do." All that Jesus began to do and do and teach. Well, this is what the book of Acts is all about. What happened afterwards? So let's unpack this statement for a moment. The foundation of the church is Jesus. Jesus is the one who has established His church. If you know the uh, the scene in the in the Gospels where Jesus asked His disciples, after they'd been together for a while, He said, who do people say that I am? And they came up with various things that they had heard. John the Baptist or... Or the prophet, or others. And then he asked them the pointed question, Who do you say that I am? And Peter, for once, got it right. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied to that, saying, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It's Christ's church. It's Christ's church. He says, I will build my church. So if you wonder who the church belongs to, it's not the board of deacons, it's not the congregation, it's not the staff, Not the senior pastor, the associate pastors. It's Jesus. It's not our church, it's His church. And if it's His church, we don't get to decide what the mission of the church is. We don't get to limit its forward movement by our prejudices or our preferences. We don't get to overrule Jesus when we think we've got a better idea. Our understanding of the nature and the function of the church comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. We are to follow his leadership. Now, in trying to determine the church's future, again, it's not about our desires or our plans. It's about what Jesus wants his church to become. And in this particular case, what Jesus wants Santa Clara First Baptist Church to become. For every local church, an expression of the wider church. And Jesus has a plan for each one, of his expressions, each one of his churches. It's his preferred future that we should be working toward. So what's he up to? That should be a key question that we're always asking ourselves. Now, one of the things, when I retired back in 2015 and Pastor Valoui took over, one of the things he started doing here pretty quick was something that I hadn't thought about doing, but the moment I heard about it, I thought, oh, that's such a good idea. And that's to take the month of January and to say, we're going to take time to pray and fast. As you can see, I don't do a lot of fasting. But you can fast in different ways. But what's the point? Well, Pastor Ballou, he got it. He understands it. If we're trying to see what Jesus wants for his church, then we'd better spend some extra time, some extra effort, some extra energy, some extra focus in seeking out His will. And praying and fasting is maybe the best way to do that. When we fast, we set aside the things of earth to look more at the things of heaven. We set aside the physical for the spiritual. We say, I'm going to take time away from eating, and all of the energies that that takes is I have to digest food, and I'm going to get onto the spiritual plane of life more than I have before. I'm going to zero in on listening to the Spirit of God. I'm going to focus on it. I'm going to be hearing hard. That's what praying praying and fasting is all about. And I think one of the reasons this church continues to grow, continues to have significant impact, and enlarge the impact that it had under my tenure, it just continued to go up and to the right. And I'm so, so glad It's because there's an emphasis here on seeking out the will of God. It's his church. And you notice the other thing we see in that passage. Christ is going to build his church. On this rock, I will build my church. It's Christ is the one who's doing the building. We get to participate with him. We work together with him. But he's the master builder. He's the architect. He's got all the stuff, you know in his mind. He sees it all where he wants us to go, and then he helps and instructs us in terms of what we're to be doing to make this come together. But he is going to be the one who builds it. Now the rock the rock that he speaks of here is our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. On this rock I will build my church. Now our Catholic brothers and sisters they think it was Peter himself that they were talking that Jesus was talking about but we kind of lean on a different way there it's the faith of Peter that Jesus was going to use the faith of Peter that you are the Christ the son of the living God you have the words of eternal life you are the one whom we follow who else has the words that we need to hear to bring us into life it's that faith in Christ as Lord and Savior that Jesus uses to build His church. Now, we got a problem in our country today because we have other Gospels that are out there. Uh, A number of years ago, I I read a very challenging book by uh, Ross Duthat called Bad Religion. He's a writer for the New York Times, And he's written a number of books as well. He's one of these thinking type people, you know, and you want to read so you think better. But in his book, he talks about various bad religions, bad gospels, inferior gospels that unfortunately have permeated our society today. One of these dumbed-down gospels is called the prosperity gospel. You heard of that one? Just believe in Jesus and you can grow rich. And it's really corrupted for him. You just make a donation to me, <laughs> my website, and God is going to bless you a hundredfold. The whole point of this gospel is that believe in Christ and you're going to have prosperity and good times. Now, I have to admit, when I was a lot younger, I kind of actually said that to people. In trying to pitch Jesus to them. I said, you know, if you trust in Christ, all your troubles disappear. Life go, will go well for you. No more troubles, no more hassles, no more problems. He'll just take it all away. But anybody who's been on this earth a while knows that following Jesus doesn't take all the troubles away. We're right now in the midst of some pretty big troubles. And that virus doesn't care if you're a Christian or not. It's up to us to be washing the hands and keeping the social distance, not going out unless we have to. I mean, we got to be wise and smart, but the virus knows no boundaries. And people who have become Christians, sometimes they get cancer. And sometimes they lose a loved one through an accident. Or a disease. And sometimes their kids turn against them. And on and on the list goes. Just being a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to have troubles in this life. So the prosperity gospel is a corrupt gospel. Don't believe it. There's another gospel that says, well, you know, we discover God through navel gazing, basically. We look into our inner selves and we achieve self actualization by becoming more and more who we are. Well, that's a bunch of hooey too. Because we discover who we are by discovering more and more about the God who made us, the Master Designer, and what He has to say about who we are. We don't come up with that information. He has that information. And it's important for us to be listening to Him. And there's a third Gospel in here that is corrupt. And that is when we try to tie the kingdom of God to any political structure on this planet. Because the kingdom of God is a lot bigger than donkeys and elephants and blue and red. It's bigger than the United States of America. It's bigger than Russia. It's bigger than China. It's bigger than the entire globe. The kingdom of God is where God exists and where God is honored. And it's not tied to any of those earthly powers. It stands above earthly powers and pursuits. And our power in the kingdom is spiritual power, not financial power, not mental power, social power or political power. It's spiritual power. We fight spiritual foes. And we do our work with spiritual weapons. I used to think that I could convince people to become a Christian through my powers of persuasion. If I just worked on somebody long enough and gave them enough answers, well, they'd have to bend the knee to Jesus. My personality would be the, the, the thing that brought them to the point of faith. And again, I had to learn that (laughs) it's not me. It's the Spirit of God who leads someone into faith in Christ. Not any kind of thing that I cook up. We need to let Santa Clara First Baptist Church be a church that is founded on our confession of faith in Jesus Christ. The foundation of the church is Jesus The second major point today is that the nature of God's church is found in his people, in God's people. And here we go to Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Let me get to that second one. There it is. We're all the church. There are two points I want to draw out of this. We are all the church. There is a unity in our diversity, a unity in diversity. The people are the church. The people. We cannot equate Christ's church with pews or hymn books or styles of government or methods of evangelism. God's church transcends all human creations. The church isn't a possession of one particular denomination and not bounded by any geographical boundary or possessed by any one ethnicity. It goes throughout the whole thing, but it's made up of people. Now, we often misspeak here. I've done it. You've done it. Back before we had this virus business, we used to say, well, I'm going to church on a Sunday morning. I'm going to church. Like, the building is the church. I am going to the church building. But that's the wrong way to think about it. That's the wrong way to say it. What's really going on is the church assembles on a Sunday morning. The church assembles on a Sunday morning. Now, we've done it electronically now, but there will be a day when we get to fill all these seats again, and the church will have gathered. But you get this, we're all the church. All the people are the church. They all come together. And the other, then what happens is once we're done with worshiping God and, and encouraging one another and praying for one another and eating some great food out in the lobby, well, then we scatter. The church is scattered. And it goes into the community. Well, that's what we've got right now. We've got a real small version of the church right here in this room. There are exactly ten of us in this room. The church is out there. It's out where all you are. The church right now is scattered. Do you see yourself as a part of this greater whole? Do you understand that you are not alone? Do you understand that you are united with every other part of the body? There is great unity in our diversity. Do you understand that you're in the body because someone invited you to come in the body? You didn't think this up. God thought this up. God not only thought you up, created you and me, but he also invited us to be a part of this body. Now I don't want to bring any more panic into the world than we actually have to, but I want to take you back in time to one of the most stressful aspects of being in elementary school. And that is when they line you up and they pick two captains and they say, choose teams. Did your hand begin to sweat? You know what I'm talking about. There's Joe and Curly over there. And they're starting to pick people. And you're standing in this line like a helpless sheep. And they start picking off names. The biggest, burliest, or the the one who's the friend. You know, the best friend. They get picked first, don't they? And then, you know, the medium level people. They get picked. But what if you're the small one? Well, what if you're kind of... The big one I, in in uh, junior high, I was known as Roly-Poly Reeves. Can you imagine with this form here being called Roly-Poly Reeves, <laughs> and the worst curse of all, if you're picked last, the shame. <laughs> Now think about being picked first. Think about the fact that the God of the universe thought about you. And he said, I want you on my team. And it's all level playing field with us. He doesn't say one person here is more important than another one. Jesus didn't die any more for one person than he did for someone else. The blood of Jesus covers us all equally. Equally. And so even though we are diverse, we have all been invited in. Now you may be watching today and you've not taken that step of accepting that offer from Jesus. And I want you to think about that real hard. These are scary times and they make us think about our vulnerabilities where we don't think maybe we're on top of the world and we're king of the mountain and we're thinking about how, how vulnerable we really are and how transient life really is. And this is a great time to do some business with the Father and to say, you know, I've been living my own life. I've been doing my own thing. But you know what? I can't do this by myself. I need you, Father. And I thank you that you sent your Son to die for me on a cross. And that I want to commit myself to you. I give myself to you as you've given yourself to me. As you have thought about me, I'm thinking about you. And I open myself up to your grace. It's a great decision. And if you make some kind of decision like that, or you're thinking about making that kind of decision, you get a hold of one of the staff members of this church through email or phone. They still work. It's the greatest privilege of my life to lead someone to that point of faith in their life where they commit their life to Christ. That has been the greatest joy of my ministry over the years. And so don't think that you're bothering anybody. Don't think that they don't have the time for you. For you are precious in God's sight. There is great unity in our diversity. But there is also... The fact that we are not one part, but many. There is a diversity in our unity. That's what Paul says as well. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong into the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. There is great diversity in this church, and particularly in this church, Santa Clara First Baptist One of the things I love about this church is the diversity of ethnicity here. We have people from all over the world speaking all these wonderful languages with all these wonderful things that you cook and bake and stuff like that. But all the different uniqueness that you bring into this family. There is great diversity here. And we enjoy the diversity. And each person here has a part to play. Each person. Do you see that? He says, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You are here for a reason. You are here for a reason. You are here to be a part of the process of the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom. You have a job to do. Now, for those of you who know me, you know I love uh, stuff, uh, uh, World War II books, movies. This is Saving Private Ryan. You think about guys and gals and foxholes these days. Number one, they they will tell you You know, when I'm in the battle, I'm not thinking about serving the United States of America. I'm not thinking about serving the President of the United States. I'm not even thinking about my general, who is the head of my division. I'm thinking about the guy to the right and the left of me. And I'm thinking about the fact that I better be doing my job for their safety and security. And if I think out, if I take off, I just caused a hole in the line that might get somebody killed. I'm here to do my job for the people around me. Now combat, where it's life and death, and that kind of circumstance can make you think those thoughts. But I want to say that it's more than that. We could say the same thing about this church and every church. It's life and death, folks. Well, we're fighting for the souls of humanity. We're fighting for the lives of our loved ones. For my neighbors. For the person, the clerk behind the counter. For the homeless guy that my wife and I make it our business to try to see every day who parks his van in a parking lot in a park. And we go over and we kind of kid around. saying, well, we're doing a wellness check today. How you doing? Your color looks good. (laughs) we're fighting for Him. We're fighting for all of us. And God has given us something to do, something that needs to be done. Every one of us, important. Every one of us, a contribution to make. Every part of the body needs to be working well because when something malfunctions, bad things happen. A few years ago, my wife and I were set up to go on a cruise of the Rhine River. We were looking forward to it. We were going to leave town on a Thursday. But Monday night, Tuesday morning, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, I started to get this pain in the back of my back, back up here. And I thought, "Oh gosh, I can't sleep. It's so irritating. It wasn't sharp or acute. It was just there and i couldn 't go to sleep, and so I did something that i 'd never done before. I called the advice nurse of the hospital at two in the morning because I thought oh, maybe i 've got a kidney infection i 've got to knock this thing down now i 'm leaving on thursday and I, I talked to the uh, the advice nurse, a oh, wonderful gal, and I listed my symptoms, and she said, "Sounds like kidney stones." Uh, We'll get you an appointment tomorrow. You're going to see somebody tomorrow morning. I go in tomorrow morning. Now we're talking Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. And I talk with this physician. I, You know, I give my symptoms. I think it's probably a, a kidney infection, right? You have antibiotics for that? And she said, sounds like kidney stones. We're going to order up some x-rays right now. So I went and I got my x-rays. And it came back just within a few hours, she calls me. I get the the head of urology calling me on the phone saying, Mr. Reeves, I hate to tell you, but you've got kidney stones in both kidneys. And the one on your right side is sitting right on top of of the ureter. If that thing drops in, you're in serious trouble. You cannot go on that trip. This is Wednesday. And I said... Shucky darn. Thank God we had travel insurance. Thank God a year later we were able to go on the cruise. But I embarked now on a whole voyage, a different voyage, a voyage of self-discovery of what was going on inside of my body because they started doing blood work and urinalysis. And they said, where are these kidney stones coming from? And they found that there was an incredible amount of calcium in my blood. Well, guess what? You and I have four parathyroid glands. i would never heard of a parathyroid gland, but we have four of them. I'm looking to Matt to make sure I get this right, but yeah. They're up here and here on either side of the thyroid, hence parathyroid, alongside of. Somebody was misbehaving. Misbehaving. And so they took me into the operating room, and they said, we think it's this one. And so they slit my throat, and they looked at this guy, and instead of being this nice little guy, it was this big guy. Instead of being a nice kind of pink color, it was this big red thing. And they took it out, and they waited to see the parathyroid gland, which controls the amount of calcium in your blood, by the way. That's its job. Its job is to control the amount of calcium in your blood. To do that, it secretes a hormone hormone. And the normal amount of hormone you should have is 30-something per something. I was a history major, for heaven's sakes. (laughs) Something for something. Mine was 800-something per something. They waited 45 minutes. They took another blood sample. It had dropped down to 30-something per something. They said, we got it. And they closed me up and they sent me to recovery. But that's not the end of the story, of course, because I've got kidney stones. Okay, now we've gotten rid of the cause of the kidney stones, and the blood is all happy now. But you know, how they have something I call the Buck Rogers Sonic Blaster. It's, it's a shockwave treatment. And they put you on this weird kind of bed, and they have this, this shockwave instrument that hits you in the back with shockwaves, which breaks up the kidney stones. Well, I had two of those, one for the right kidney and one for the left. And they said, well, good news. The one on the right one, it just vaporized. Boosh! The one on the left, uh, it shattered into smaller pieces. Oh, I said, well, that's probably okay, isn't it? Uh, well, they sent me home. The head of urology called me on a walk. I was out walking around. He said, how are you feeling, Mr. Reeves? And I said, oh, I'm feeling great. This is all good. Five hours later, the first one dropped. Let me show you. The first three I called Curly, Larry, and Moe. But after three of them, I stopped naming them. By the time I was done, I had passed 11 stones. Oh, you say. Yes, you do. Oh. Women have told me that they've experienced both childbirth and kidney stones. Kidney stones a lot worse. And what do you have to show for it? You got that. Now, I kept some of them, by the way. And so if, if you want to see some, I have them in a little, a little uh, uh, glass thing, a little glass container. And so if, you know, if you want to show and tell time, it could be exciting. What's my point? Every part of the body needs to be working right. That's my point. The point is that every aspect of Christ, uh, of his body, is here. It's here for a purpose. We don't have time to go into spiritual gifts or temperaments or um, you know, uh, positions. But just let me say to all of you, if you are a part of Santa Clara First Baptist Church, you're supposed to be doing something. Some of you are supposed to be praying because that's your real strength. And this is a great time to do that. Some of you need to be reaching out to others because you have the gift of encouragement or helps. And maybe you're buying food for somebody who can't get out. Some of you are teaching using some of the the verbal gifts at this time. And on and on the list goes. If you don't know what you're supposed to be doing in the body of Christ, well, you come and talk to me or you talk to, uh, call me and, or Pastor Valuri, or Margaret, or the rest of the staff, we'll find what God has called you to do. I want to conclude with a, a visual picture <clears throat> of what Christ church can do in the world when it's working right. Let's roll that, shall we? What a picture of Christ's work through his church. Start small. It did start small, didn't it? One Messiah. And then he started gathering a group of people around him. And they started making some beautiful music. They presented a gospel of love, not works, of grace and truth and joy and kindness. And people started to take notice They started saying, what is going on here? Some people went to extreme lengths. I think of Zacchaeus up the tree. And I saw this one. People said, I want to record it. I want to remember it. I don't want this just to be a passing thing. And the group grew and grew and grew. And that's what we saw all through the book of Acts. is God's church coming together in increasing numbers. And people were astonished. People were amazed. Wow! And then they started singing along. This was so cool. People started singing. They heard the tune. They liked the melody. And they said, I want to be a part of that too. And so more and more people started singing. And when it was all over, Appreciation. For those who had given themselves in service and joy and gladness. Now that, folks, is what the church needs to be doing in the world today. That when we do our thing for Jesus, when we serve Him with love and grace and kindness and joy, the world will look at us and go, I like that. That's what we're to be about. The crowds will continue to grow as God's people continue to do what God has called them to do in His church. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we give You thanks and praise for adopting us into Your family. It did not come easily for You. It cost the life of Your Son. But You now, through His blood, through his sacrifice, through the forgiveness that comes through that sacrifice. Now, we are your kids. You've brought us together. And you love on us all the time. And we're all special. Each person special. You have given us life. You've given us gifts. You've given us personalities. You want us to use them in beautiful and unique ways. First, for your kingdom work here in the church but also out in the world and we pray that more and more people hear the melody more and more people start singing the song more and more people sing with joy and gladness in their hearts we love you Father because you first loved us and we do present ourselves to you so that you may use us in Christ Amen.